Hi, this is Eddie Hearn, and you're watching Lights Out. Joshua Bawatsi wins the South London Derby and takes a step closer to a world title shot. Conor Ben comes through Peter Dobson, but we'll be asking the question, is Conor Ben really ready for an elite fighter? And 2024 is going to be the year where we crown an undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. It's not going to be on February 17th. This is Fessor Khan for Lights Out, proudly sponsored by Spartans Law. And this is podcast 72 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast. With me, as always, delighted to be joined by my main man, Mr. Mosin Gulshir, a.k.a. Ron, looking very much dapper with his new hairstyle. Ronald, how are you, brother? All good, very, very well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's good to see you, mate. You're looking, uh, looking high spirits. Um, it was good to see you on Friday night as well. Good little catch-up. And I love the um, the driving you of getting these podcasts on a on a regular basis. It's really good to see Ron that you're on it now and that you're finally finally getting your money's worth out of lights out. Because you know, let's be honest, Ron, you're on a full time wage here. You know, it's about time you brought more to this company. If you know what I mean. Absolutely, man. We really, really enjoy our, our boxing chats whenever I get the opportunity with you. So, looking forward to a chat tonight as well. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, but obviously, before we do begin with today's podcast. Uh, just a few friendly reminders. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and turn on the bell for all future Lights Out Boxing content. And make sure you check out our sponsors, Spartans Law. And if you want to know more about Team Lights Out, our social media links are below in the description. And if you want to listen to this podcast on any of the audio platforms, again, links are below in the description. Ron, floor is all yours, my man. Let's begin with a quick fire question. Okay, all right. It's a bit of a hypothetical one, but if you could go back in history, any fight, okay, I'm not talking about controversial, robbed, or anything like that. If you could change one result, boxing result, which fight would it be and why? Oh, man. That's a tough one. That's a fucking tough one. Um, a Ricky Hatton versus Floyd Mayweather. Because I was 18 at the time, and that was probably... That was 2007, December. And that's when we really started getting coverage of press conferences and face-offs. And I think the build-up to that fight with Floyd coming into... Mm. We were united top on really sort of set the benchmark of just how big that fight was. But I was in Pakistan watching that fight and I was guided for Ricky Hatton. I was so confident that he was going to pull it off, that he was going to be the man to sort of dethrone Floyd Mayweather. But that's one fight I would like to go back in time and change the outcome simply because of how big the fight, but simply because of how heartbreaking it was to see Ricky Hatton lose. What about you? <sighs> I mean, I had a few, but the one that was personal to me was Nazi Mohammed losing against uh, Antonio Barrera. Uh, okay. That was obviously, you know, we enjoyed watching Naz, you know, the, the antics. The We see a bit of that in uh, Ben Whitaker, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, and that cut his career short. I mean, you know, 
you know, what could have been if he did, did come through that win, you know, with that win? Could he have fought Morales? Could he have fought, you know, there's so many other people in that division that he could have fought. And he was also rumoured to have be fighting against Floyd, a young Floyd Mayweather. So that one was a heartbreaking one for me. Um, but another one I would change, I mean, this doesn't, it's not my time period. It was probably Muhammad Ali in his last few fights. It was a shadow of himself. But mm. if anyone you wanted to see go out and with a win and, you know, with an amazing career that he had, it was Muhammad Ali. Um, I think it was a Tre Trevor Burbick. That's the one, yeah. The one where I think mean, it made Mike Tyson cry because, you know, he was upset that his, his chap, his hero had lost. And is that the one that he got his, um, he goes, I'm going to get him for you. That's the the or Larry Holmes? I think it was Larry Holmes, but it was definitely his um, Muhammad Ali's final fight. But I agree with you on what you said about. I think the question is brilliant, honestly, and I, and I agree with you. The answer to that question has really got to hit you. Um, it's got to be a, a case of inboxing that it really has to hit you. And the Floyd Mayweather Ricky Atten result mm. did hit me a lot. You know, another one, Amir Khan, Lamont Peterson, that actually uh, hit me a lot as well. The, the way he got the way he got robbed out there. Um, mm. Fury Wilder one, another one that really hit me. But Yeah, no, that's why I was specific, not robberies, because obviously I've, I think I've done that question before. But I'm just thinking if you could change one result, obviously it changes, you know, what happens afterwards, you know, for that mm. particular fight or that career, that that. That would have been their defining fight. That would have been their swan song or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, it's it's like a sliding doors kind of moment. And, you know, uh, so there's so many other probably memories you could think of, which you could. Another one I would think of is Frank Bruno when he lost against Mike Tyson. Which one? One or two? Two, I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. I know in the first one, he got quite a bit of success in one of the rounds. Yeah, uh, I just I you know he just came up short again. Uh, you know, against someone like an animal like Mike Tyson. Um, yeah, so look, that's it's just I think sometimes it, you know these losses make are the making of some fighters. Mm -hmm. The one that you mentioned uh, uh, with Rookie Hatton, that was kind of the start of the downfall, wasn't it for him? Um, you know, he wasn't yeah. the same was anymore. The same. And then obviously, look, you can't knock him because he went on to fight Pacquiao as well. So the two of the pound for pound list so he wasn't ducking anyone so uh yeah like it, well, well to the viewers out there and to obviously the listeners on the audio platforms you know get involved with that question again ron another brilliant question and you've actually given me an idea for a special podcast that we're going to do at some point this week but yeah great question guys get involved um let's obviously start with today's first topic and um i told you ron what did I say to you? I believe it was on podcast 68. The fight is not going to happen on February the 17th. I had a bad feeling. And unfortunately, we all got the news that we dreaded. That the Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk fight is off. Well, not off. It's been postponed till May. Um, Fury suffered a cut at the back end of last week while sparring. Um, the fight has now been push forward to May the 18th. So the fight is going to happen, but it's not going to happen on February the 17th. But a lot of backlash in regards to Fury picking up a cut. Um, a lot of people saying that there's a conspiracy theory behind it. Yeah. A lot of back and forth between Team Fury and Team Usyk. Ron, 
I mean, we we, we met up on on uh, Friday. We discussed this. Now, now that you've had it, had quite a few days to sort of digest what's happened with the situation, and you've seen the interview with Fury, Turkey, Al Sheikh with Team Usyk, and you've obviously seen social media clips. What's your gut feeling right now in this situation between Fury picking up a cut in training and uh, Alexander Usyk's team saying that there's a conspiracy theory behind it? Uh, I was listening to an, an interview with Alex Krasiuk with um, uh, Coogan on I, IFL. Shout out IFL TV. Yeah, it was quite an interesting take. You know, he was kind of alluding to the, you know that conspiracy that you're referring to that it was faked. Uh, maybe, I mean, it kind of makes you think. How did he get that cut when they were wearing headgear? You know, headguards and um it was a horrible cut i mean it didn't there wasn't i mean that very brief footage that we that you posted in our group chat you know doesn't it's not much we can infer from that or how that came about but apparently it was an elbow uh ah uh, yeah you called it right you said you know you're not <laughs> convinced it's going to happen until you see them the ring walk on that night you know and uh I think karma's a bitch, man. I think for Fury, I mean, it was, but I can't remember, 2012 or something when he was going to fight David Hay and uh, mm -hmm. David Hay incurred a, a cut above his um, his eye as well, which he had to pull out of. Um, and, you know, and you know, Fury didn't let him live that down and called him all sorts of names under the sun. Uh, yeah, you know, and now the shoe's on the other foot. Uh, it's a disappointment, you know, like, we were so really looking for it for the undisputed heavyweight champion. Um, you know, we're going to have to wait another, well, we've been waiting. We were hoping to get it in December um, and now we're going to get it in May. So that's what, six months it's been pushed back, half a year. Mm -hmm. And that's another six months that Fury is not fighting. Well, um, we obviously had a lot to say about it in our WhatsApp group. We met up on Friday. <clears throat> you know, we both gave our sort of opinions on it. And, um, you know, I think Asif said, why would you have that such intense sparring? Yeah, agreed. Uh, a few weeks out before the fight. And luckily we caught up with George Rose and this is what he had to say. Yeah, disappointing, disappointing. Um, you know, it's... Uh... Is it just sod's law? Is it just the way it is? Uh, uh, Fury gets cut. You know, you can't uh, dispute it. You've seen the pictures. There is a cut there. So, yeah, the fight the fight gets postponed. I hope that they can go ahead with the show. I hope that, you know, they can make Usyk Hergovic, get rid of that mandatory, um, keep Usyk busy. Um, we get to see some, some high-quality boxing. Uh, whether Hergovic fancies that on late notice or not, who knows. But, um, yeah, hopefully they, they go ahead with the show. I think it's unlikely that we're going to see Fury, Usyk. You know, if they reschedule it, when when is that for? Is it for the the end of this year? Um, it might have been sort of now or never. So yeah, but um, yeah, shame because we it looked like we was going to finally get uh, one champion in the heavyweight division in his four belt era. But uh, yeah, it's not to be. Would you? Have, I mean, you've been in big. You were involved in big fights yourself throughout your career. I mean. How would you have like approached those final few weeks in terms of your training camp? Would you have taken on sparring literally two weeks before the fight or is it something you wouldn't have done at all? Yeah, if you need to spar and you take the sparring. You know, I've, I've had camps where I've sparred 
up until a week before. Uh, you don't spar anticipating getting a cut. And you can't really train with fear of injury because then you can't train to your full capacity. You know, you won't be doing the the hill sprints or the track sprints because you're worried about pulling a hamstring or a calf. You won't be, you know, you won't be sparring. You won't be doing pads. You're worried about hurting your shoulder or your hands or getting cut in sparring. So you can't have that mindset. You have to just get on with it. And um, sparring two weeks out, there's nothing with it. You know, if if the the footage that I've seen, if that is the actual spar. That was in question, who knows? You know, I love conspiracy theory, who knows? But Fury had a head guard on. Uh, they slow mowed it down and said he got caught with, a, with an elbow. It's a terrible cut, you know, to get in sparring. It's a terrible um, quality of footage though, considering the fact that we've into all these latest technologies with iPhones and Samsungs. I mean, it's, it's terrible footage though, isn't it, the way it's been recorded? You're a media man, you got a camera. You should have been out there, we would have had a better... better I would have loved to have been out there. I mean, the clip I saw, they they, they, they shut it off before he takes his head gone off, we see the cut. I mean, it would be lovely to have seen the cut. I mean, whose idea was that? It should have kept that rolling, kept that rolling mm -hmm. in gold. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's a shame, it's a shame, but it's happened time and time again. In fact, it's happened to, to Fury uh, when he was supposed to fight uh, David Hay, you know, and he gets cut in sparring. I think it was only a couple of weeks out from, from their scheduled fight. 2013 or whatever that was so who knows who knows but um yeah it's a shame i mean he got cut pretty badly didn't he um that was quite a few fights ago really wasn't it so it was a long time ago so it's not a fresh wound but these things happen you know um it's a shame it's a shame for everyone involved it's a shame for the fighters huge shame for Usyk um and for you know the promotion out in saudi arabia because they They've put a lot of energy into this, obviously, and they're trying to fit boxing to a, you know, a limited time frame because they've got a season that they adhere to, and boxing is doing that thing where it doesn't adhere to any rules; it fucking goes as it wants, and um, you know that might be might spell disaster really for um, these Middle Eastern fights. George Groves, the man who loves the conspiracy theory. Uh, I won't keep you too long, George, but there were a few things said towards Tyson Fury from. Um, uh, Alexander Usyk's uh, manager Alex Krasik saying that it's a sign that you should retire his other manager said I completely forgot his name but said that he probably got his bitch to hit him with a frying pan and that he's scared of of to fight Alexander Usyk and it's a fight he never really wanted just want to get your thoughts on those comments that were made towards Tyson please George um if I'm Usyk's team I'd probably say the same yes you know, uh, he's got an element of humor to it and uh, you know the Fury team definitely won't want to hear it but it's to be expected, isn't it, from their team to say that? Um, I, I, you know, I, I've said before that, before we, you know, after the Ngannou fight, said we might never see Fury fight again. And you know, the way the way he's going, I think that still might be the case. You know, say say he did actually knuckle down after the uh, the Ngannou fight, and say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm getting myself in shape. I'm going to rectify this. I'm going to make it all count. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do it properly. And then he gets cut two weeks before. That's demoralising. You know, he's missing out on putting in a good performance, missing out on being the the undisputed unified one one belt champion, and he's no doubt missed out on a mega payday. So that might be the end of Fury. Who knows? Only he will know, and maybe he doesn't even know now. Maybe he'll only know in a you know in, in time to come. But uh, I'm glad they said something. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If they, if they took it on the chin, then I would have been bitterly disappointed. So that's what George Rose had to say now. Um, guys make sure you check out the full uh, interview via our YouTube channel again um, you'll see it in the Joshua Boatsy Danazi's fight uh, fight week playlist but yeah I asked George Groves a question and I said that you've obviously you're involved in huge fights 
in your career, um, would you have sparred, especially with that high intensity, a few weeks before the fight? And he said, yeah. And he also said that you'd go into that those sparring sessions as if it was the actual fight. So, I mean, if that's coming from a guy that's a former world champion, that's fought yeah. the likes of Callum Smith, Chris Eubank Jr., Carl Froch, twice, and I'm pretty sure they were grueling camps, then, you know, I don't think Tyson Fury has done anything wrong. Um, but I get that fans are angry. You know, I'm angry. You're angry. I'm, I'm glad I didn't book my tickets to go out there. But I, I don't know. Like, there's just like a question mark hanging over it. I mean, I don't like how Team Usyk have approached it. But I certainly, I, I'm just like you, Ron, I can't get over the fact that he's got a head guard on and you know the the footage is recorded and it's like it's come from an old Nokia phone. There is just something to it that doesn't look right. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that there is a conspiracy theory, but okay, there's just, just something stop? that does not look right about it. All right, so you're 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 not happy with the Usyk team, right? Let's say it was the other way around. You know, Usyk got himself a nasty. Now, you, now, you, now you're just playing devil's advocate, Ron. No, 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 but I'm just saying, I mean, how do you think, you know, Fury would have responded? I reckon he would have said exactly the same thing. That's just Tyson Fury. I mean, look how he reacted <laughs> uh, to David you, Hayes. You know what I mean? You can't blame, uh, you know... Uh, you know no, I, I, I can't, I can't. from December when they initially were going to fight to uh, March, sorry, February. Now it's May. Like, for fuck's sake, you know... Like, They've been waiting. They've been in camp. He's been in camp for all, about almost, what, four months now? Mm-hmm. Like, two weeks out. Uh, it was interesting to hear what Usyk, you know, he goes, how he, he responded when the news broke. He was like, look, I'm not surprised. He goes, I've read his book. Uh, you know, I know what he's like. It's, it's psychological war, you know. War, you, you know, know what, Ron? I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing, though, yeah. Uh, Tyson Fury's team have had an absolute squeeze here. Because that injury, that cut could have been a lot more long. That could have been a lot, a longer injury, if you know what I mean. Those cuts sometimes run, yeah. If you look at previous history in boxing when it comes to cuts, it could take up to six months to fully heal. That was a very nasty, deep cut. I mean, you look at it, you've seen the pictures of it. So I reckon they've had an absolute squeeze in pushing it to, to May. Two, yeah, two months is, is that enough time for it to fully heal? And No, what I'm trying to say is, Ron, is the... Um, is it the pressure the, from the, the shake? No, the, the 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 damage that that cut has caused, Ron. We were discussing it, and I said to you, uh, maybe six months it could take before, before the fight happens. But three months now, we've got to wait, and I don't think that's too bad. I don't think that's the worst outcome possible. But Ron, I'm I'm not. I don't want to stay on this topic too long because it is getting really, really annoying now. One final question before we move on: Does this fight actually happen or not? It's got to happen, man. No, I know, but just like Man United have to win a league right. title someday, but does the fight have? Does the fight happen? No, no. Look, you're you're right to question it, but you know what, man? If it's got to happen, right? <laughs> I'm, I think I'm being desperate here. That surely, you know, they've been teasing us for long enough now. I remember the first time this idea came about him facing Usyk when Usyk uh, when he beat the Chizora. Yeah. You know, where Joyce, Joy Joyce, who came to the ring, and the three of them were having this. That's when the idea was that seed was first planted. And when was that? 
that was December 2022, Ron. Oh, for fuck's sake. I was at that fight when he won Fury fought Chisora. That's how long ago it was. So then, you know, you're asking me the question, is it going to happen? I'm like, this is the worst, this is the biggest anti-climax ever. So if it doesn't happen, I've given up on boxing, man. And this will tarnish Tyson Fury's kind of legacy, in my opinion. So... I hope he does. I hope he puts on, a, you know, they get in the ring and they put on a great boxing fight. You know, what the world wants to see and undisputed with all the all the all the titles. Well, do you know what? I had my take on it once, and um, my predictions came true. I'm not predicting it a second time round because I reckon it'll come true again. I'm going to move on anyway because we'll talk about last weekend's boxing action where uh, Josh Bawatsi defeated Dan Aziz in the undefeated. South London light heavyweight clash um, was at the fight. It was a very, very good fight indeed. Very, very impressive fight. Um, Josh Boatsy coming out on top in the end and moves on to perhaps maybe a world title shot, maybe a, a, a big domestic showdown with the likes of Anthony Yard, maybe Callum Smith. Um, Ron, thoughts on the fight? And uh, yeah, thoughts on the performance of Josh Boatsy? I'll be look, you've got to give your hats off to both people. You know, it takes two to tango. And I love that how Boatsy gave him his credit, you know, at the end that that Mark was, I mean, the, the respect was always there. It was like the politest kind of uh, back and forth between the two. No needle, obviously, they're friends. Uh, I enjoyed the fight. I thought it was a really good fight. Um, and I think I, I, I was hoping for Dan Aziz before, you know, kind of, to bring it home, but unfortunately that wasn't the case for him. Uh, but Boatsy showed his levels to this, you know, you know, he's fought at a higher level and that showed, you know, and Dan Aziz, you know, he'll probably take a lot away from that fight, from that defeat. Um, he did not do himself, he didn't embarrass himself, he did himself proud and he gave a really good account of himself, but Boatsy was the better man that, that night, you know, and Better punches, better combinations. Got the two knockdowns in round 11. I think, I don't know whether you had it as a slip or not, but um, take nothing away from both fighters. I think that was a great, you know, for British boxing. And it was, we were really looking forward to it for a number of months and we finally got it. Mm. Um, and I really hope that this is the lift off of Watsi's career. Now, because it's been stalling for a number of years now, you know, he, we've, he's been spoke of highly as someone, you know, from the GB Olympics days. But now we really want to see him push on, be it domestic fight tear up with Anthony Yard. You know, there's obviously other you know, great British dust ups that you can have as well. Um, because the, I think, Bivol and Baterbia, they're going to be having it out, obviously, which we're going to talk about later. So uh, really enjoyed that fight. I think that was a really good uh, for British boxing. I think it's the making of both fighters. I really do. Um, one thing that I really, really enjoyed about the fight is they both gave as good as they got. Um, mm. When you thought Bawatsi was on top, back came Aziz. When you thought Aziz was on top, back came Bawatsi. And it just goes to show that that's why both fighters were undefeated at the time. Both highly skilled operators who yeah maybe Boatsy probably does move to that next level but Dan Aziz isn't far off that level either um, 
really, really good fights out there yeah. for Aziz. You know, he, he wasn't the victor, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed the fight. Um, like I said, both fighters just gave as good as they got. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. a one-sided beatdown. Okay, Boatsy scored two knockdowns in round eleven. I had one of those knockdowns as a slip, not both. Um, and I think kind of that eleventh round was sort of sort of the difference maker. I don't think there was much in it between every between both fighters. Every round, in my opinion, was super close. Really, really tough to score. But I do think Boatsy landed the, the, the cleaner shots. Mm-hmm. I think he landed the more deadlier punches. Um, uh, listen, just exactly just what you said. You, you, we're hoping that this is the, the making of him now. We're hoping that it does push him onto the next level. You know, Does it get him a fight with an Anthony Yard? Does it get him a fight with a Callum Smith? It was a really, really good fight. Dan Aziz is in that mix as well, wrong. Don't get it twisted. Dan Aziz, in my opinion, is a very, very good fighter. You know, and he's only gone and lost to a, a former Olympian in Josh Bowatsi. You know, he doesn't have to go on a rebuilding phase. He doesn't need a, a warm-up or a 10-rounder. You know, he needs to stay in, in, in this kind of mix right now. Um, I don't see Bowatsi fighting Bivol or Betapiev anytime soon. No. There's a lot of talk about Boatsy versus Yard. I think Boatsy versus Callum Smith is, is the is the number one fight domestically in the division right now. And the reason being because Callum Smith's a former world champion, Josh Boatsy's undefeated and he is a British and Commonwealth light heavyweight champion right now. Got nothing against Anthony Yard, very good fighter. I do think he'll win a world title, but he's lost two world title fights and he's lost three fights in total. I'm not I'm not slagging Anthony Yard off, you know. I'm a big fan of Anthony Yard. I just think, in my opinion, right now, number one, number two, British domestic wise, is Callum Smith and Josh Bowatsi, and that's the fight yeah. I would like to see, and potentially maybe even see that on on, on a Saudi card, but that remains to be seen. But what can do you I be think? a matchmaker for Dan Aziz? Go for it, Lyndon Arthur. Good fight. You know what, Dan Aziz Anthony Yard. Why not? There's so many good fighters yeah. in this mix right yeah. now. Yeah, so I, I think. We're very sport for choice with British, uh, that division, light heavyweight. So, yeah, I think, no, they did, didn't discredit themselves. They both, I mean, Dan Aziz, I've got a thing for Dan Aziz that he's done it the hard way. You know, mm-hmm. he's, you you like that sort of fight, don't you? The working your way up the ranks, kind of doing the small, Engl- Engl- the southern area, the English. The British, yeah, the Commonwealth, the yeah. European. He's just got one more belt to win and then he's won everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt for him, man. I was like, yeah. this guy has put his heart into, you know, and, and you know, I love that he pays homage to uh, Marvin Hagler. That's that's obviously that's another thing I like about him. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the best. And, you know, there's obviously he's got a career, you know, he's 34 years of age. So mm. hopefully he'll be making some good paydays, uh, you know, in the next few fights. Dan Aziz will definitely come again, but it's onto mm. bigger and better things for Josh Boatsy. Great fight and a great advert for British boxing. Uh, also on that card, wins for Adam Azim, who retained his uh, European title. And of course, another win for the flamboyant Ben Whitaker. Uh, we talk about Adam Azim. Um, yeah, obviously, he received a lot of criticism for the celebration, and it did turn out in the end that his opponent, Enoch Poulsen, dislocated his shoulder. But we can't obviously look too much in towards the celebration and the dislocated shoulder. We can only talk about what we saw of Adam Azim. Ronda Moore, we've seen of Adam Azim. Are you getting excited or do you think maybe there's something still missing that's going to make you sort of think, yep, this kid is going to be the face of British boxing one day? 
technically he's sound you know he's never been you know you know he's never shown that vulnerability you know he's come through all this test and he's 21 years of age you know let's not forget that you know 11 fights now 11 wins he's got a good knockout ratio he was in with a you know fan yen that was a good test for him as well um when he won the european title i can't remember the gentleman's name that he beat um and obviously paulson undefeated fighter um, former european champion former european who didn't lose his title in the ring so take nothing away from him that was a good performance yes uh five rounds in but azim looked comfortable you know he was out punching him out he was beating him to the punch every time and he moved really well listening to the advice i was listening to the mcguigans on the side like come on get him you know like the timing was right and I think he mentioned it at the end, you know, that he was just getting into his rhythm. He wanted to put him out there. And it's quite, I like the bit of brashness now. He's kind of building up his cockiness that where he said to him, oh, that's where I'm going to finish you, you know, yeah. pointing to his stomach. I'm going to give you a body shot there. Um, and in regards to, I think that's a bit of naivety and a bit of youthfulness, you know, eagerness to celebrate that. That's his trademark, you know, kind of celebration, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the flip uh i think look back he'll probably thinking you know there's a t- maybe just make sure he's okay first then i could do the flip or uh, you know i take nothing away from the performance you know for a kid of his age and someone of his experience you know job well done yeah you know as you said he was pretty comfortable um before the dislocated shoulder i had him winning every round um okay paulson goes down with a dislocated shoulder but before the dislocated shoulder he did absolutely nothing. Um, there's a lot of questions being asked about Adam Zim. What do you do with him next? Well, he's fought at European level twice. He won He won the title by knockout. And this guy, Paulson, didn't show anything before his injury. Dalton Smith, Harlem Eubank, they're two fights that I would be really interested to see. When we speak to Adam Azim, he talks about wanting to challenge for a world title. He talks about fighting the likes of the Tank the Cambosis, the, the, the Lomachenkos. I just think that's a step way too soon. I mean, Sky Sports and Boxer are targeting him to become a world champion by the end of this year. I honestly think that's a very, very bold move because the experience you get fighting at a British level, European level is one thing, but when you step up to the elite level, it's a complete different game. So, you know, if I'm uh, Sky Sports and Boxer right now, I'm targeting a Dalton Smith or I'm even looking at potentially Harlem Eubank. They are two good domestic fights. You know, you've got three undefeated fighters there. You'll know which one is ready to move up to that level, the next level. Um, but listen, fair play to him. You know, as you said, he, he looked very comfortable. He didn't seem troubled. Technically, he's very good. You know, fans want to see more knockouts. Yes, that will come in time. But 11 fights in, still relatively very young. European champion, undefeated. He's getting better and better. But having said that, you're going to know more about this kid when someone tries sticking it on him. So there are bigger tests out there. There are better tests out there. So only time will tell. Ben Whitaker, the showman of boxing. Uh, a very, very good performance on Saturday night with uh, another good win, another knockout win. But there's a lot of people, Ron, that are not happy with the showboating, the sort of dancing, the twisted punches that he's doing. I mean... Have we got to see more boxing and less showboating, Ron? Or are you are you on board with this Ben Whitaker Ben Whitaker sort of train right now? 
I mean, the referee was impressed. Uh, there was someone on the side of, of the ring. Um, someone, I mean, the commentator mentioned it was the British Board of Boxing Control or something. A mem so they were up in arms about Ben Whitaker's antics. Look, man, you know, it's boxing, you know, and, you know, if he feels he can do that and get away with it, good luck to him, you know what I mean? Like, I think when he steps up those levels, like, look, it happened with Nazim Hamid, right? He, that's who he's paying homage to. When yeah, he's, but Ron, uh, I'm not being funny or anything. Nazim Hamid done it all of his career and got found out once. Come on, Ron. No, no, but look, when he went over to the States and he fought the like of Orky Sanchez, he fought the likes of, oh God, who am I thinking of? Kelly Kelly. Uh, Kevin Kelly. Kevin and, Kelly. You know, he got dropped. He got put on his ass. Uh, and look, you know, no disrespect to Nazi Mamid, but he had that power. He had that, that knockout punch that got him out of trouble. And, you know, and... Ben Whitaker is, I mean, Grand is Khalid Grandia. What, what was his record? He's got more defeats than his wins. So, you know, you've got to put it into perspective that he's getting away with it right now. But, you know, boxer needs to kind of think about matchmaking in more challenging fights where he's not having to do that as much, where he's having to think, shit, this guy can punch back if I get this horribly wrong, you know? or someone who's a lot quicker reflexes or a lot more, you know, boxing smarts about him, you know, that that's going to make him pay for doing, switching off for a second like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, th there is going to be someone out there that's going to, at some point, catch on to this showboating and fancy punches and likelihood is he might end up on his ass like Nazim Hamid did a few times. That I do agree with you, but I mean, if look, Prior to Saturday night, I wasn't a fan of it. But what? But when you watch him close up, yeah, one thing I didn't see is that it actually pays off most of the time. Yeah. And his defensive skills looked really good on mm. Saturday night. You know, he done the sort of the rope a dope sort of neck type of thing. So you know, listen, there will be bigger tests out there. There will be better tests out there. There will be someone that is gonna ask questions of him. But I guess we just have to accept it and get on get on the ride, get on the train now, get on the hype train with him. You know, he is being considered the future of British boxing. You know, we know that your Furies, your Joshuas, you know, these these big fighters, they haven't got long left. So we've got to start looking at these guys as not as, oh, well, don't really fancy. No, this is the future of boxing, Ron. Your Adam Zines, your Ben Whitakers, you know, they're flamboyant, you know. As they've got a bit said, of arrogance yeah, in them. And so what? Yeah, he's an exciting division. Let's not forget that, he's, you know. And do you know what, Ron? Do you know what? I interviewed him. On uh, yes, he did, yeah. He said that he would fight Boatsy and Aziz next. You gotta love the confidence, okay? It's a bit of a big step up, you know. But with him looking to, with him having that mindset, just goes to show you, he's not gonna be one of those fighters that's gonna fuck around and you know long out fights. And he's gonna give the fans the fights they want to see. Give him a couple of more fights, and I reckon they'll, they'll step him up, but. I hope Boxer plays the matchmaking right next fight, not another glorified journeyman or someone someone who's going to test him, test his chin, to, you know, not mm. allow him that comfortable, gonna, you know, to do his twirls or make him pay for it when he does do that. So, Ron, when we when you said to me when we discussed about Saudi working with Matchroom and Queensbury, and you said to me, "Oh, how come Sky Sports and Boxer hasn't got a piece of that pie yet?" I, I'm going to give you my answer now. Yeah. Because they're not bothered about 
the money. They're not bothered about, you know, being in the spotlight. One, Sky Sports and Boxer have been around for a very, very long time. And two, they are well and truly focusing on their future. Mm. Okay? You've seen it with the main event, and you've seen it with the two co-main events. Sky Sports and Boxer don't need Saudi Arabia. I truly believe that now after what I've seen. I've covered two of their shows so far this year. They are more concerned about their future. And do you know what? Adam Azim, Ben Whitaker, Fran Hennessy, Josh Boatsy, Caroline Dubois, Caroline Dubois, Hassan Azim, Fabio Wardley. Fabio Wardley. In 18 months' time, Ron, these guys are going to be bigger. They're going to have bigger followings. And Sky Sports is going to be even more exciting. It's exciting now, but I'm telling you now, I, I, I can see what Sky Sports and Boxer are trying to do. They're going to get bigger and they're going to get way better as well as time goes on. Conor Ben um, fought on Saturday night as well, but it's obviously daytime in Vegas, the time he fought. And um, he got 12 rounds under the bank. Um, he beat Peter Dobson. I mean, I've watched the fight. What did you make of the fight? Ron, and more importantly, what did you make of Conor Ben's performance? I mean, people expecting it to be a walkover, maybe a stoppage, um, but Peter Dobson turned up. You know, he gave a good. Um, I mean, I think did he, he did. Uh, yeah, I think he did. He turned up, and you know, it wasn't in moments, what, Ron. In moments. In moments, but it wasn't a you know what everyone was expecting that uh, Conor Ben was going to stop him early doors and get him out of there. Um, I think he needed that tough, you know, he needed he needs those rounds. He needs those kind of grueling rounds and and it was his first time kind of is it the first time in the US or second time in the US now? Um clearly he can't fight in the UK. So he's got this uh, issue here but uh but if, yeah, I mean like now what did he gain out of that? Does that show he's ready for the big boys in the 147 division? Um, well, I obviously need to give my take on the fight. Uh, Peter Dobson, in moments, looked like a decent opponent. Conor Ben, I thought the first few rounds swung wildly, very wildly, and didn't connect. He had a few good rounds. Um, he, he, if he gets his timing right, he's going to be a big puncher, no doubt about it. Uh, there's, you know. I would have liked to have seen a bit more composure for Conor Ben on Saturday night. I just thought he looked a bit too eager for the knockout. But Sorry. I think the um, I think the biggest positive is, is it's 12 rounds in the bank. He's not fought much the last few years because of the problems outside of the ring. Now the big question is, who's next? And anybody and everybody is getting called out from Chris Eubank Jr., who's supposedly 185 pounds in weight right now, to... Um, Jerron Boots Ennis to Devin Haney to Terence Crawford to Gavonta Tank Davis Adrian Broner has been mentioned I mean like seriously you've Eddie Hearn has got to get the next move right with this kid you know the backlash that he suffered since the, the failed drugs test is one thing but you know Eddie Hearn said it now the next fight is, is going to be a huge fight it's not going to be no warm-up fight. It's not going to be no assured thing, assured victory for us. The next fight we want is a big name and it's, it's, it's I don't think it'll be Eubank Jr. You know, um, it's, it's hard to tell because they're targeting all the top names from lightweight to 
middleweight. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous how everybody's supposedly been getting called out. You know, he wants to fight Devin Haney. You know, he's Teofimo Lopez. You know, I, I, re I really can't, like, I mean, what, is it, what direction are they going in with Conor Ben right now, Ron? Where, where are they going with him? He has to go, he has to fight abroad at the moment, unless they are able to resolve his situation. Uh, you know, in the UK, he, he makes more money. He, he gets, attracts bigger fights. Um, but that's his problem. He's kind of in nowhere, uh, nowhere land kind of thing. Kind of, obviously in the US, yes, I, I did see Devin Haney's dad kind of having a chat with him after the fight, was it? Um so, I mean, these are all rumours for now. You know, they've they all got their own trajectories and their own kind of targets, I think. So, no man... I think I just think Conor Ben's in a no-man's land at the moment until... Unless, you know, Eddie Yen pulls off that that next big fight that he's been promising. Um, so, he's had two fights on the road now, is it? Two, is it two fights that he's had since his band's uh, finished? So... I just hope so for his career. Otherwise, I mean, that Chris Eubank, he, oh, you forgot Kel Brook. That fight's been obviously touted as well, but. Well, look, Ron, I mean, you know, I just think that right now it's all, it's, it's all up in limbo right now. I mean, what weight is he even targeting to become a world champion at? I mean, where does his future lie in terms of, you know, who he's going to take on next? I think um, Eddie Hearn needs to make a plan. I don't think the Eubank Jr. fight is going to happen. Um, I, don't, I can't see that fight happening for a very long time. You know, especially, especially if what Senior said is correct, and he is what? Uh, if Eubank Jr. is 185 pounds in weight right now, which I don't really think is true. I mean, you know, you can say what you want about Chris Eubank Jr. You know, he, is, he has always got himself into top shape. He's never once missed weight. He's always looked after himself. I mean, you mentioned Josh Kelly as well, Kel Brook as well. That's another another fight. Does Kel Brook need that fight? Maybe not. Does Kel Brook need to fight again? Probably not. Um, you know, Chris Eubank Senior said his nephew Harlem Eubank. That's a fight that we talked about. I mean, if you if you're going to keep him at one four seven, you know, which is his natural weight, then you have got to be looking at some point for him to go in there with the likes of the, you know, the Boots Ennises. You know, the Terence Crawfords and, you know, even maybe at £154. I just don't know what, what you do with him next. I mean, he wants, to, he wants to fight everybody right now. The Devin Haney fight is a good fight, but he's super lightweight world champion. You know, one fight I do like, though, Ron, yeah, and that's obviously depends on if he wins his next fight, is a Josh Taylor fight. I really like that fight. You know, I think Josh Taylor's future belongs at £147. Pounds. I like the idea of him fighting Josh Taylor. It's a good fight, two good domestic fighters. You know, we've got a former undisputed champion. We've sort of got the guy that's sort of coming up Surely right now. Surely Josh Taylor's not going to walk away from Catrell again. No, he's not. That's why I said one, if, if, if Josh Taylor beats... <laughs> I just thinking, no, because he did that last time and it clearly backfired. He did it, Ron. He could go on injury. Look, that fight is... No, 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 no. Of course, he, he, he went, obviously, he fought against Tia Fimo. Good name, you know, made probably good money from that fight as well, but... Well, at the end yeah, of the day, I, I, I like the idea of the Josh Taylor fight. Um, Over Catrell? Well, no, Josh Taylor is going to fight Jack Catrell. That's why I said it. No, no, no. Would you pick, okay, if you had a choice of 
Josh Taylor versus Conor Ben or Josh Taylor versus Catrell? Which one would you go for? No, no, Taylor Catrell. We need to Fine. see... Thank you. You know, we need to see that sort of script... Sorry, that chapter finish now. That's the fight we want to see next. But I want to stick on something, and I want to stick on the interviews that Chris Senior did. Done one with IFL. Shout out to IFL. He's done one with TalkSport. Shout out to TalkSport. Um... What you know what was said? I don't want to go too much into the comments, but what did you make of him saying that when my son was with me, he was an absolute killer? You've seen it in the performances against Yildrum, and you've seen it in the deport, you've seen it in the Blackwell. performances against Nick Blackwell. But he says that when he was working with his father, he was a killer, but he forgot to mention that he lost to George Groves and he lost to Ben John Saunders. Mm. I mean, are you worried for Chris Senior's health right now? Or do you think most of what he said is pretty much true? No, I don't. I don't. I just think it's he's kind of picking and choosing what part of you know he wants to focus on and uh, take the plaudits. And yeah, I don't know what to make of it. It's a very strange interview. The um, you know he was really kind of trying to sell the Harlem fight, and he said um, Sky Sports is it is where it is because of him. You know he built on Matchroom, so I take his comments. Uh, with a pinch of salt, um, but he's entertaining. I, I you know, whatever he's doing, he's you know, people are watching him. He's the one guy that's on the top of my list that I really want to interview in 2024. I'm a massive yeah. fan, I just love his, uh, his presence. But I, I love how these days he's speaking the Queen's English and then he'll drop the Jamaican Yardie accent in between. <laughs> Yeah, but one uh, thing, but one thing, right? And I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna slag off Talksport. I'm definitely not gonna slag off Coogan Cassius because Coogan is the king of boxing reporting, and he's a guy that I actually look up to and a guy that I've got a lot of time and respect for. But I would have liked to have seen them challenge Christine and say, "Wait, hold on a second. When he was with you, he lost to George Groves and he lost to Benjo Saunders. That was under your watch. And you sit there and you 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 slag off Liam Swift because of his surname, but you seem to you seem to forget." Liam's a former world champion and he did knock out your son as well. So surely these guys have got to start questioning those defeats whilst he was under Christina's watch. Am I right or wrong? Agreed. I mean, um, when he was under his kind of tutelage, you know, he mentioned uh, that this man's going to be better than Floyd Mayweather, you know, and, you know, look, that didn't happen under, uh, under you know, Obviously, senior when he was, you know, he had him under his belt. But something's gone really sour in that relationship. You know, I don't. I'd love to be in that fly in the wall when it's just them two. None of this circus. None of this media attention. Just want to know what's what do they talk about? You know, what the conversations are. And I'm going to share a joke with you, and only me and you know the meaning behind it. Is it had fuck all on the handbags in Belfast or, or the <laughs> rumble in or the rumble in the garden. <laughs> no, but um, I, I, I agree with you when you say that he talks about the Queen's English and then he puts on the, the Rastafarian accent, you know. The like, a Yardy accent, yeah. And then he says about oh, Tyson Fury didn't get invited to see the Queen because of his language, but then he's talking in his Rastafarian Yardy accent. I mean, uh, look, come on, look, you're an absolute living legend of British boxing. And, you know, you've got a point where you say that Sky Sky went to Barry Hearn because of me. You know, he did sort of knock that door down for Barry. But don't mm. take away somebody else's hard work. I mean, you know, they built you up as well. I mean, they gave you the platform to box on. I just think, look, 
He's involved working with Haaland. He wants the Haaland Eubank versus Conor Ben fight. Yeah, two undefeated fighters. It's a fight that I wouldn't mind seeing. But I agree with you. Something has gone wrong in that relationship. But don't make out to be that you took your son to these massive heights where he was untouchable in boxing because he did lose twice under Chris Senior's watch. But anyway, it, it is a relationship that has gone wrong. But, you know, you're a father, I'm a father. I hope that relationship can be rebuilt. And, you know, till this day, I still hope Chris, Chris Eubank Senior does win a world title and he can share that success with his father because, you know... We're talking about a British box. We're talking about a boxing legend. One of the one of my favorite fighters to come out of Britain. And I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Listen, regardless of what your opin opinion of Chris Eubank Jr. is, he's very exciting, and he's going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, in. And Chris Senior did say one thing, and I agree with it. The fight next for Chris Senior should be Chris Junior has to be Canelo. That's a fight I want to see. I want to see Eubank Junior fight Canelo. Go up to 168 pounds and fight Canelo Alvarez because that's one guy. Right, that will turn up and that will genuinely, genuinely believes he can knock out Canelo Alvarez and he will have a go. As he said it many years on our podcast, and now I agree with him, that's the fight I want to see next for Chris Eubank Jr. Him fight Canelo. If it's not Canelo, Jaime Manguia. If it's not Jaime Manguia, Caleb Plant. A Billy Joe Saunders rematch. Kelbrook fight? Yeah, why not? I don't want to see the Conor Ben fight. I want to see Eubank Jr. in the biggest and best fights possible. Um, Ronnie also got announced to us on the Joshua Buatzi Dan Aziz fight night um, that Fabio Wardy defends his British crown, his heavyweight crown, against Fraser Clark on March the 31st at the O2 Arena in London. Very, very good fight. And again, another good fight, which I'm pretty sure is going to be another good Sky Sports and Boxer card. Ron, would you make the announcement? And is that the next fight you were hoping for for Fabio Wardley? Uh, I'm surprised. I think finally Boxer have changed their minds. I mean, after what happened with the purse bids the last time around, uh, uh, Fabio's uh, kind of taunt there. You're, you're still not ready for me. Uh, I like Fabio. He's kind of, you know, building up his, his stock at the moment. I mean, that win against uh, David Adelaide in in Saudi did him really, you know, kind of really projected him up further up the rankings in the British heavyweight rankings, proud British champion. Uh, I, I just think he'll have too much for, uh, uh, so Fabio will have too much for uh, Fraser. But it's a good domestic tear up. You never know what, what might happen on the night. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll look forward to watching it. Well, Fraser what? Clark's obviously got the amateur background, so he's got the experience. But as you said, you reckon Fabio's going to have too much for um, Fraser Clark on fight night. That could be the case. However, um, there's a point I'd like to make. I don't even think Fabio's had that fight where he's been tested yet. And it's a big move to put him in with uh, Fabio Wardley. I believe he's had, what, six, seven, eight fights? I'm not too sure. So, I, mean, I disagree. I think he's had some. He's been in some good, uh, good oh, fighters. I mean, on. he's been with the British level at the British level. David oh, Adelaide was a good fight. That was a good bit. No, I'm talking about Fraser Clark. I'm not talking about. Fabio oh, Wardley. my apologies. Sorry, I was thinking. Sorry, you know, I think it is. We'll, 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 we'll just take out your wages. But anyway, look, what I was, what I was trying to say. <laughs> oh, Fraser Clark. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah he doesn't. I, I can't think of anyone that stands out to me against 
building up his career against journeymen. So getting it's him It's a bounce. big move. It's a very, very, very big bold move. move. I would say it's a bold move by uh, from the stance that they took from not, you know, kind of exiting the purse talks to mm -hmm. now, actually, we've changed our mind. We would fancy a bit of that. I, I don't, I mean, I hope it's something that they've seen improvements or kind of seen something that then actually we can win this fight. Well, listen, I mean, you know, Fraser Clark could surprise us all come March 31st. You know, he could turn out and do a number on Fabio Wardley. Having said that, look, I know Fraser's got the the um, the Olympic pedigree and the amateur background. But one thing I've noticed about uh, Fabio Wardley, I mean, and I go back to the Nathan Gorman fight, he looked like he was in trouble. And it's when he's receiving punishment, he sort of turns it on. You know, mm. when he's on the end of a few punches, that's when he really comes to light. And I'd be very surprised this fight goes beyond five rounds. I just think this is going to be a barn fest. I think these two are just going to go at it. I mean, I was... I was at ringside and I saw the face off and you could just see the way they were looking at each other and the way that they were talking to each other that this fight has got some, both fighters have got very nasty intentions come fight night. Let me ask you a question in, in regards to that. Go on. Who's got more to lose? Well, Fabio Wardley is not a young fighter. Sorry, um, Fraser Clark's not a young fighter. Fabio How old is Fabio? Fabio's in his 20s, late, mid yeah, to late 20s? I believe so. 26, 27, I'd yeah, say? yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the age Fab uh, Fraser Clark's in right now, can you really afford to rebuild? Possibly not. I mean, it's um, I believe um, Joe Joyce won a the Commonwealth in his fourth or fifth fight because obviously him being at yeah. a certain age where he's come out of the Olympics and he's had to push on in his career. It's it's a big test, but who's got more to lose? It's, it's, it's definitely Fraser Clark. I mean, it's a tough ask, man, because Fabio mm. Wardley's a fighter that's just getting better and better. Mm. But having said that, it's, it's, it's a fight I'm really looking forward to. Does it sell out the O2 Arena, though? Depends on the undercard. Not that alone. Not, no. It, you know, it's a good fight. I'll, I'll tune in to watch it, but would I go and pay a ticket for it? Not necessarily, unless... Boxer puts on another good show. I mean, they, they I, I do like, you know, they've got these young fighters. They're trying to get them, keep them busy. Hmm. You know, it was not so long ago Adam Azim had his last fight before this, obviously defending his European title. So could they get him back on the card? Ben Whitaker obviously clearly needs fights at this point in his career as well. Caroline Dubois came through her, her performance. So I guess you can get the whole the whole gang back together again uh, on that on that same night. So, mm. Well, Turkey Alal Sheikh made a very um, interesting statement. He said that he's hoping to have the undisputed fight between uh, Dmitry Bivol and Artur Betabiev on the same night as the Queensbury versus Matchroom undercard. Uh, so you'd have five fights where it's Queensbury versus Matchroom and then you've got an undisputed clash. That's in June, isn't it? Yeah, and the magnitude of that card just got bigger and better. And I do believe that's what's going to happen. So you imagine that, you know, fight one to five, it's, oh, this team needs to win, stay in the When's that being announced, the the Queensbury? That, we know? That is there any rumours? Did you hear anything no, in the... From what I'm hearing, that's going to be announced in the AJ versus Ngannou on the card. They also released a few rules and uh, stipulations, apparently, they're going to bring in like a transfer window where both sets of uh, promoters can sign fighters to fight for their 
uh, promotional uh, brand just for that card. So, you know, it's kind of like the bloody transfer deadline day, the way they're going on about it. But it's very interesting because, like I said, you're going to be watching the first five fights, knowing that whoever gets the most victories wins the bragging rights. And then after that, you've got an undisputed fight between two of the best fighters in the world right now. So, you know, hats off again to Saudi, Ron. They really are delivering right now. Where's the US in all of this? Uh, they kind of, I mean... What do you mean with the US? I mean, the, the promotion companies, you know, they don't, they're feeling, aren't they feeling a little bit cold, you know, being left out here? You know, the British promotional companies, like obviously Matchroom and Queensbury kind of getting all the limelight, getting all the eyes on their, you know, their fighters, you know, we'd love to see, I'd love to see American fighters on that, you know, eventually on these undercards as well. Well, I mean, Jared Anderson... Do you not feel they're getting left behind? The, you know, these you know, showtimes and the, uh, you know, all the, these broadcasters and... Not really, Ron, because the show goes on, doesn't it? Mm. I mean, uh, obviously showtime are done now. Top mm. rank will still carry on going because they work yeah. closely with Sky Sports, so... I would like to see um so make them signings, you know, go to top rank and sign a well, few. I mean, look, I mean, obviously we, we, we mentioned about the so-called transfer thing that they could potentially go on. Who runs top rank? Bob Arman. Who does he work closely with? Frank Warren. Oh, do you know what, um, Bob? Send over Jared Anderson to me on loan, if you don't mind. I want to represent <laughs> Queensbury. It could, it could happen, but yeah, but look, back to the point of obviously... Um, you know what we'll do? I think I've got, a pod, I've got an idea for a pod. We'll, let's do a fantasy. We'll have to do a fantasy kind of matchroom versus uh, one of those kind of shows. That All right, need. no problem. Well, let, yeah. let's finish this pod first, <laughs> innit? You know, yeah. a great idea, though, and I like what you're getting onto here. But Bivol better be a simple and easy fight to make in my mind. Now, I said something to, uh, to Cameo the other day, right? And um, I said that, look, don't get me wrong, both phenomenally, technically brilliant fighters. But they're not big draws in boxing, if you know what I mean, in terms of the the, the with the public and you know, they're yeah. not like the they're not like you know, they're not like controversial or anything. So and I'm not taking nothing away from them as boxers, brilliant boxers. But the fact that they're so like sort of laid back and they're easy going easygoing characters, it's a simple fight to make, right, Ron? Yeah, I mean, it's the only fight to make right now in that division because um, they're clearly heads and shoulders above everyone else. So, but you're right. They don't, they're not loudmouth. They're not brash. They're not, you know, they're brutal. I mean, like mm. watching Better Biev versus Callum Smith, he was brutal. It was, and he was quite humble after the fight as well. You know, that doesn't grab a lot of kind of media attention. He just went about his business. Bivol as well, you know, he came through his last fight against Lyndon Arthur. You know, fast, did what he had to do. So I just hope that gets finalised. Uh, is that, has that been confirmed? Is that locked in? I that... think it's, it's going in the right direction right now because you've got okay. the main man who's just bashing everybody's heads together and giving us all the fights we want. Just a shame we're, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for Fury versus Usyk. Okay. Uh, Ron, you got anything else you want to add, mate? Um, just on that uh, on the undercard, uh, Caroline Dubois came through. Yeah. You know, she's one fight probably closer to a, a world title shot. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, all credit to her. 
really interesting to see Fran Hennessy coming through as well with her little dance moves. Uh, you know, we had ring entrances, which are quite memorable. Calling out Ebony Bridges and Shannon Courtney in it next. Uh, play to her, lad. What is she, 18, 19? Mm-hmm. She's, you know... Yeah, but Ron, she's a baby, though. She's a baby. And I yeah. think... I think they need to take their time with her. Obviously, she's looked after by Brad by Bradley Skeet, one of the nicest guys you meet in boxing. She's got that. I mean, bit of I mean about she's her. got an old man who's gonna, you know, obviously Tennessee. have a say. On, yeah, I mean, like he he's gonna have a say on how her career is managed, and you know, and what who better do you want than that? Uh, no, I agree, Ron. But at the same time, she's only had four fights. I mean, oh no, 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 no! I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying. Pace yourself, man. You know, yeah, exactly. you've got a long, successful career ahead of you. Mm. Um, you know, you know, get these ugly fights in. And I mean, she, you know what, Ron? Shame on you. You'd do anything to see uh, Emily Bridges out another way in, wouldn't you? Absolutely <laughs> shame on you, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? What's happening with uh, talking of Shannon Courtney? My, uh, my, you know, what's happened with her? You know, any idea what, what's going on with her? Is she fighting? She, you know? Obviously, she's at the Rotunda Gym in Liverpool right now. Um, She's trying to rebuild her career. She's a good fighter. She's a former world champion. Uh, she's she's, work- injuries, yeah. she's, she's working closely with the Smiths, which is a really good move. Mm. Um, just like Charlie Edwards is right now. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully we can see her back in the ring. But you know what? I like you to see that rematch with her and uh, Ebony Bridges. Yeah. But you've got to take your hats off to women's boxing right now. I mean, it really is, you know, it's, it's on a great, great, le- it's on a great path right now. The last... Two years for women's boxing. Any announcement on next fight for Katie Taylor? Or no, is that... no. I mean, I think there's talks of Chantel Cameron free. I like the Amanda Serrano rematch. Um, obviously, Savannah Marshall. What does she do next? Is she really going to go well, ahead with Shields as well? What's she doing? Yeah, I mean, do, do we make Shields Marshall too? I mean, I spoke to Ben Shalom at the Jonas May undercard and on like a sort of social media clip with him. I asked him the five fights you want to make for Sky Sports and Boxer in 2024, and he said Shields Marshall too is one of them. So, you know, yeah. hopefully that's a fight we get next. What do you do next with Natasha Jonas? Um, you know, women's boxing, especially some of the British fighters we've got here right now. Such a good time for British boxing, you know. And re- you know what really did it for me, right? Where where you really knew British British uh, women's boxing was on the map is when okay. you had the Shields Marshall. Card and it was an all women's card. That for me showed why women's boxing is where it is right now. You got none of this messing around, none of this. Oh, mm. I need a few warm up fights. You know, fighters, women fighters are fighting what four or five fights and they're fighting for world titles. That just goes to show you women's boxing right now, man. It's just it, it makes the whole of the sport of boxing a more simple sport. Okay, All right. Let me ask you one last question. Um, on. Who's gonna be who's Gonna be the breakout fighter this year. You know who's twenty twenty four. Who are we gonna? Who's gonna be our name on our lips? Um, who do you think is gonna make a big, big impression this year? Hamza Shiraz fights this weekend. I think this is gonna be the year of Hamza Shiraz. You yeah. going for a big year for him? Yeah, I think this is gonna be Hamza Shiraz's year. Um, what, what do you predict like a world title I or think a world title I think he wins on Saturday night and I think he, he challenges Yanabek to the world title next I think he becomes world champion I do, I've do. just got a feeling Hamza Shiraz is going to do something big this year um, who else is there hmm. Hamza Shiraz for me 
Uh, Fran Hennessy, I really like the look of her. The swagger makes makes me really confident about her. There's something about her. For me, I'd say I, I, I want big things to come out from Moses Itoma. Yeah, another and, another uh, good good prospect. Yeah, and, and internationally, Jared Anderson. Mm-hmm. I hope he comes on. You know, in his career. I'm gonna, another name I'm going to put in. I think Abba Williams. He fought on Saturday night. He won. I think that kid is could be one of the next big faces from America. Mm-hmm. I really, really like Amal Williams. I think it's quality. Talking of the undercard, yeah, Johnny Fisher. You know, yeah, he... great win for great win for Johnny Fisher. Round one knockout. I mean, how many fans did he take with him to Vegas as well? Romford Bull, man. We yeah. we we had the pleasure of uh, going down to Romford, didn't we, and uh, to see him uh, train up there. Well, here's a, here's a question for you, Ron. Right now that we're on the topic with a Romford Bull, I mean, he, he's won the Southern area. He's just got his US debut out the way. Do you think he's maybe looking at the winner of Wardy versus Clark? Too early for his career. No, moment. come on. Too early for him, man. Like, they've got a lot more experience in the tank. Someone like Fabio Wardley is, you know, he's been around for a lot longer. Which, I mean, but there's... you've got it at some point, right? You yeah, I mean, I'm not. Don't, don't knock it. I mean, there's other potential fights there if you really wanted to kind of put him in with um... Nathan Gorman. You know what? David Adelaide. David Adelaide. Dave Allen, if he's still out. David Adelaide is a good one as well. Uh, Jamie TKV as well. Yes, another good fight. uh, Who's come back from a defeat. So he Mm -hmm. he, he looked decent in his uh, fight. Uh, Moses Atoma, if you really want to go down that way. But I think they've got big plans for him. So, you know, he's a heavyweight boxing man. So. You want them to be fighting for something. That's what you want in British boxing, you know, for a British title or a southern area. So, ah, good stuff. Well done, Johnny Fisher, man. So, it was really good seeing him up and up, up and close. Looked great on the pads when we saw him. So, wish him all the best in his uh, future fights. Ron, we're going to end this podcast with our final topic. We're going to pay tribute to Carl Weathers, who sadly lost his life last week. Carl Weathers you know, better known as Apollo Creed, who started Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, it was only about, what, what was it, the last, I think it was the last podcast where your quick-fire question was, what would your nickname be if you was a boxer? And then you asked me, mm-hmm. how many did Apollo Creed have for his fight with Ivan Drago? And um, Listen, um, you know... Uh, name him. Go on, Let's see if you can name The master of disaster, the king of sting... The one, the only Apollo Creed. I can't remember what the the rest the Mount, were. Was it the Mount of Monte Cristo? Or the yeah, Canada? yeah, yeah. Oh, and Cristo, Rocky yeah. goes, you think you got enough nicknames there, Apollo? <laughs> but um, listen, uh, firstly, thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And secondly, Ron, um, yeah. There were many iconic kind of moments in that in the Rocky franchise that they had. And you know what? I've been on Instagram and, you know, I can't help but share those moments there. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the best one was where he brings Rocky to his gym. Yeah. Rocky three. And the whole they, gym. They've just all got that pops. look in their eye. That's what he's yeah. trying to say. We had that look when we were younger. Yeah, yeah. That was a brilliant moment. That was uh and the what's the matter with you? You know, there is no to my, the tomorrow. My favorite no- my my favorite moment has gotta be when he does the press conference with um uh Ivan Drago and he goes, um I've, well, I've been the best and I've beat the best and I've retired more men in social security. You know, he just, um, 
if you kind of think about it right, his um, character in those Rocky movies, you know, all of his um, his charisma was very similar to Muhammad Ali. It was based on Ali. I think yeah. that, that that was the yeah they were trying to pay obviously homage to him, uh, Ali, his cockiness and his. Uh, I mean, I mean, look, Tyson Fury did a, a kind of an impersonation of him as well. Didn't he come out with the American hat and yeah. that cloak as with it? You know, the really nice short fight. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I mean, I mean, back off the, off the back of his name, we've got a franchise Creed. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what, Ron? Right, I think right. Look. I mean, you were what, born in 85, 86? 84. 84. All right, okay. You old bastard. I was born in 89, right? But at least in our time, right, growing up, one of the favourite movies for us was always going to be the Rocky movies. Mm. You know, and I just think kids these days, right, you know, the ones that are growing up slowly, the the young teenagers don't realise just how precious those movies are to people like me and you. You know, and me having a young son, right, I want him to watch the Rockies, I want him to watch the Rambos, the Police Academies, you know, all these classic movies. I want my son to be to watch. But that's just the thing with kids these days. They're not they don't realize a classic when when it's hitting them point blank in the in the face. A classic never dies, Ron. Um but if you had a moment with Carl Weathers, right, what would what would you what would you ask Carl Weathers? I ask him. Uh, I mean, I just wanted to know. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, like that moment when he got selected as the the antagonist, and you know, against Rocky, and you know how that moment came about. Because he was in a, his background was a, as an American footballer, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, initially, they had someone else in mind. Rocky uh, Sylvester Stallone had uh, what was his name. He's an actual boxer. I've got his name. It's going to come to me. But he hit too hard. I think they were sparring. and But then, obviously, Apollo Creed or Carl Weathers walked in. And his charisma, his charm, it was, you know, it was straight away, this guy's perfect for the role. Um, yeah, I'd just love to know his thoughts on the filming of such a great boxing movie that made us fall in love with this sport. Talk to us about that, the training montages, the the fight scenes, you know, the, the great kind of quotes that he had. Uh, I mean, you, you were talking about quotes earlier. The one that he had with um, Bert... Oh. Bert Reynolds. No, 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 uh, Paulie. Paulie. Sorry, sorry, in, sorry. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's like, Paulie makes a comment. He goes, who the hell's that? You know, is that Al Capone? <laughs> when, when now, who's that Al Capone? <laughs> No, I mean, just, just uh, that, that, that'd be something I'd love to kind of just be like. But, I, but I'd have loved to have asked him, like, you know, how did you mold yourself into sort of the guy? Because it must have not been an easy role. I mean, playing the guy that's the the fighter of, um, you know, Rocky's opponent for those first two, the the, the yeah. first two he, movies. He's the antagonist. He's the one that you wanted him to lose. And, yeah. And, do you uh, know what, and uh, when you look and at I think Rocky, I love that in Rocky, the, the Rocky three, you you start liking him again, and then Rocky four, obviously, you know you have this affinity for him, thinking, yeah, he you know he's my favorite. Then he obviously he meets his demise against uh, Ivan Drago in the movie. And you know what, Ron? When you look at boxing movies in the whole year, look at Jake Gyllenhaal, how well he played his role in Southpaw. Look at Michael B. Jordan, how well he plays his role. 
And when you look at sort of scenes of when they're filming, it, it does not look easy at all playing the role as a boxer. And But yeah, listen, it, tragic news to hear the passing of Carl Weathers. May he rest in peace. And once again, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Ron, we're going to wrap it up, mate. Um, it's been a long podcast, but I'm glad. We've had a lot to talk about. And obviously, hopefully we continue next week. We've got Hamza Shiraz fighting Liam Williams this weekend as well. We've also got a next-gen matchroom undercard at the Indigo at the old at the old arena so yeah hopefully there's a lot there's a few more topics to discuss on pod 73 thank you for your time as always ron an absolute pleasure and to the viewers out there if you haven't already please make sure you hit that subscribe button turn on the bell for future lights out boxing content notifications and if you need represent, representation in the court well we are proudly sponsored by the one and only spartans law their website link is below in the description to listen to this podcast on any of the audio platforms links are below in the description thank you very much people for listening to podcast 72 of the lights out boxing podcast